0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the compound and friends. It is Tuesday night. I wanted to mention something that I thought was really well done. Cliff Asness of AQR did a piece in the Wall Street Journal talking about why he is not going to waste his time seeing uh the dumb money. And I think he just like looked at that period of time as this complete aberration, and I totally understand that he's a quant And he's trying to make uh, intelligent investment decisions backed by data and information and not feelings and innuendo. Um, So I'm not surprised that he's like not into the whole thing, but he corrects, a lot of people talk about this concept of the wisdom of crowds. So if you have like 5 million meme traders, doesn't it mean that the stocks are being priced, it's a huge crowd pricing the stock, therefore, there should be some wisdom in there pricing it. And it doesn't quite work that way. And this is Cliff uh, delineating between the two things, a mob and, a, and, a, and the wisdom of crowds. This is Cliff, quote, we often correctly marvel at the wisdom of crowds, but this phenomenon is based on the crowd's members being reasonably independent of one another. Think about how effective polling the audience is on who wants to be a millionaire. It works only because members of the crowd don't talk among themselves. If they were to launch into fiery speeches, weighing the multiple choice answers, you'd likely get a much different and worse result. Crowds of independent thinkers are often very wise, even if each individual isn't. Crowds that share information and come to a shared conclusion are often, though not always, dangerous mobs. In the meme stock craze, as in our politics and elsewhere, the internet seems to be a perfectly designed vehicle for turning a crowd of independent thinkers into an angry mob. Very well said, Cliff. That is the difference. If everyone is uh, doing monologues and threads on Twitter and firing each other up on Reddit, that is no longer a wisdom of crowd situation. That's a mob of people who all think the same thing and most likely want to do the same thing. In the case of meme stocks, it's buy until they moon. One other thing that I think is important to bring out, this doesn't make it into the movie, the, uh, I wouldn't call them villains, but the antagonists of Roaring Kitty and the meme stock traders have never been richer than they are right now. And that's not a coincidence or an unrelated thing. That happened directly proportionate to how stupid the trading activity was. They were on the other side of some of the worst and least profitable activity the world has ever seen. And I just want to quote this. This is Business Insider, but you can read accounts of this any way you'd like. Citadel boss Ken Griffin made $4.1 billion in 2022 as all those... Uh, meme stock trades went up in smoke. That is the most money made by any hedge fund manager in history. So Ken Griffin was number one on the institutional investor list. Uh, the Flag Citadel's flagship fund, which is not all engaged in market making or meme stock trading, but I'm just making the point. The, the Citadel flagship fund went up 38.1% in 2022, while the rest of the stock market absolutely was destroyed. Uh, the top 25 hedge fund managers on the list made $21.5 billion last year collectively. That is the third highest total for the top 25 hedge fund managers in the history of this ranking. But Ken Griffin taking home $4.1 billion is really incredible. So if you think that Roaring Kitty and the meme stock traders like took on Wall Street or whatever, then you really don't understand how it works. You're talking about millions and millions and millions of trades with smarter money on the other side of most of them, not all of them, and market-making activity. That was some of the most profitable market-making activity of all time. And that is uh, not to say that Gabe Plotkin's life is as good as it was. Maybe they knocked him out of the game. His punishment is he now owns an NBA franchise instead of running Melvin Capital. So if you consider that his comeuppance, I guess you could you could uh, you could do that. Uh, but overall, the really important thing about just the whole phenomenon now that we're making movies about it and lionizing some of the figures involved is that Wall Street is just fine. They made an absolute fortune on all this activity. That's number one, and number two. Just because you have a really large group of people doesn't mean that's the wisdom of crowds. If those people are all egging each other on to take non-economic views of securities, for example, and do things for reasons other than traditional finance, it could last for a month. It could last for three months or six months, but it is not going to be a particularly profitable activity the longer you try to pursue it for. And uh, I think those are the two biggest takeaways from my perspective, at least. All right. We have a great show tonight. What are your thoughts with Michael Batnick? We get into a lot of cool stuff. The consumer is still spending with reckless abandon. Uh, Bond yields are headed higher. Stock prices are headed lower. Utilities have been absolutely thrashed. Um, REITs are getting crushed. We talk about uh, a hypothetical barbell portfolio versus traditional diversification. Michael brings a couple of mystery charts. It's a lot of fun. Stick around. Hope you enjoy it. And we will talk to you soon.
1: Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and their castmates are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Redhold's Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
0: All right, gangsters. Tuesday night. Who, who's uh, who's in the house tonight? Let's say, Mike Waller is here. Michael Batnick's here, of course. Joe Monroe, Jeff Osala, Rachel's here. Dave Wilson, Drew Hickman is here. Uh, who else? Got the whole crew out tonight. Rooster, Chris Hayes, uh, Tom Whalen is here, talking shit about Michael to start the show off. That's good. What we like you? that energy. What Bring that you? energy. I don't know.
1: Talking shit. It's a I don't know.
0: I don't know. just right? You haven't even even said anything yet.
1: Yeah, let me cook.
0: Tough crowd tonight. Tough crowd. All right, we have a sponsor. Michael, tell us about uh, Bird Dogs.
1: It's dog season. You know, I actually, Barry texted me this morning a Mm. picture of a storefront. He's like, Madison and 54th. Did you know that? Bird Dogs is a storefront.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what was he doing on Madison and 54th?
1: Probably going to Bloomberg.
0: Brunching? Oh, Bloomberg, Uh, right.
1: So... You know, it's that time of the season where you've got to wear long and long or maybe long and shorts, longs and shorts, pants and shirts, but you want to be comfortable too. Boom. Stretch khakis. Josh, should I rock those? Let me say. What are these? Na- oh,
0: I like the Jeff, Jeff pesos, pesos one. Is that the color or the style or both?
1: I, I think I have the Pesos.
0: You have those? Phil those Gates. Are pretty, uh, those are pretty nice. How did you... Uh, What's your what's your favorite color of the bird dogs that you have?
1: I've got the khakis and I've got the blacks. You know, I'm not really a khaki guy, but I feel I feel sort of out of place wearing khakis. But I'll, I feel I'll like the it.
0: blacks would be your go to because yeah, you have blacks. like a lot of black sweatshirts, a lot of black hats.
1: I feel like that would be. All right. Yesterday. So how
0: do people find out more about bird dogs? Where, go to where bird are we dogs, sending them? It's
1: very simple. Birddogs.com/thoughts
0: birddogs.com slash thoughts. is And I'm told
1: the consumer is still spending. So if that's the case, get yourself a pair of dogs.
0: Yeah, buy some bird dogs. All right. The consumer is still spending. And actually, I have one more quick announcement. We have a lot to cover tonight. But I wanted to mention, I threw this out last week. Uh, We are coming to Charlotte, North Carolina. We are doing a live taping of the Compound and Friends. We have some very special guests lined up or in the process of being lined up. And I'm announcing the venue tonight. Uh, the venue is the NASCAR Hall of Fame.
1: Is this? that you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. It's all right. Nice. So we'll be at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. <laughs> Sorry, enough. Let me let me get my my shit off. We'll be at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for an all live, all new taping of What are your thoughts? All Slash. live. The Compound and Friends. We're going to have a lot of fun that night, and uh, spots are limited, only 100 spots, so we have not yet put out the information of where you can register. Send us an email, the compound show, ask askthecompoundshow at gmail.com, and you will be among the first to hear about how you can attend live taping in Charlotte. All right, first things first. You're up you're uh you have topic one tonight, Mike. What's well, first things first? Do you have something to say or you is it, is it no, my turn. You're up. All right, you're up. So
1: for, you, you're damn right. First thing is first. Uh it on please. So we did this Ugh. last week.
0: Disgusting. It's worse. We did, it,
1: we did it again. Uh not a not a particularly pretty day on Wall Street. The Dow fell whatever it fell. The Nasdaq fell, whatever it fell. A lot of red.
0: The utilities bounced. Um, even the telecoms verizon uh and at&t and the oil majors bounced exxon chevron Conoco, green that's how you know it's bad
1: or good we'll say all right we're going to talk about we're it's going, going to
0: it's gone too far it's what else gone is too selling? far everything so this is the new math every time the 10 year treasury yield goes up 2% the the dow loses a trillion dollars in market cap like this is what we're doing it makes it, it's it's too it's too far it's you know so what much.
1: I think it's actually a good thing. The, oh. VIX, the VIX got over 20 today for the first time since- And then back off a little bit. Since May, it's been too long. It's been too quiet. And the old saying is that stocks climb a wall of worry. And sometimes you need a little worry. Without worry, right. there's no wall.
0: I think we bought them in, in October. I think Did we bought them in October. Well, I That's said on Animal think.
1: Spirits today, I'm, I'm bullish for the rest of the year, so-
0: Well, it hasn't been published yet, so I haven't heard that, but- uh I think we bottom. I think we're in this bottoming process and it's gonna be driven by uh you can't say in a bo- you can't say
1: we're in a bottoming no, process. No, this month.
0: I'm saying in this month. Okay. This month. Okay. Well, no, we've the, been in a bottoming process for six no, weeks. No,
1: no, 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 yes, no. We no, have. Bottoming. no, it's not, son. Yes, how could yes, you say it it's a bottoming process when we're still clearly going lower? There hasn't been any such thing. There's no been there's been no hammer, there's been no higher low. There's been nothing. There's not a bottoming process. We're going down.
0: Dude, we didn't take out we didn't take out the spring lows.
1: Erroneous. This is not a bottoming process. What do you mean,
0: stocks erroneous? Did we take out
1: the spring lows? This is not a bottoming are process. New, are we making stocks? Are, are we going making. Lower. You're are change, we making. You're moving the goalposts. Stocks no, are not bottoming. I'm saying they'll, it's bottom when they stop, they'll bottom when they stop going down. It's a bottoming Can we agree on process. That? I, no. They will bottom when they stop going lower and not a minute before. Don't bully me. It's no. a bottoming process, is all I'm saying. If we take out
0: uh, spring lows, You would not be able to say it's a bottoming process. You would have to say, "Oh, we haven't hit bottom yet." I I think we bottom in October and we're in the midst of a process by which we do so. I really don't think. I really don't think that that's why is it so
1: controversial, dude. A bottoming process is not. You can't just make it up and say this is a process. We closed basically on the lows of the day. We're at multi-week bottoms. Are a process. Bottoms are a process. They will be bottoms. process. Bottoms are an event. Stop filibustering. Let's get to it. So rising rates. We've been talking about them for a long time. Why aren't they hurting the consumer more? Why aren't they hurting corporations more? What's taking so long? Well, they're hurting now, by the way. Oh my god. Some interest rates are going absolutely vertical. The ten years. Qu- I mean,
0: this is crazy.
1: It's bad. it's bad. It's bad. Oh, by the way, remember, remember uh remember the insolvency on regional banks balance sheets? what do you yeah. think they look like? What do you think they look like now? Not How better. many billions of dollars in unrealized losses uh are mortgage holders sitting on who's um, buying those bonds? Oh my good lord.
0: I read last week Bank of America, uh probably one of the two most important banks, I don't know, in the world, uh, is sitting on like a hundred billion plus in upside down mm-hmm. uh I think I think it's just mortgages. Can't just be mortgages, right? It's a oh, lot yes, of money. Oh, yes, oh,
1: yes. Oh, yes, it can. Of course it can. Okay. Don't, whatever. So years, I don't hard. want
0: to alarm people. It's a $3 trillion overall portfolio. And did, with the banks, they have a held for sale or a held till maturity portfolio. The held to maturity portfolio, the mark to market losses or like the paper losses are are just reported differently than in the portfolio where they're holding securities that they might sell at any time. So if they if they label something as being held to maturity, it's they get a little bit more leeway, but still so so they could say, Oh, we're holding these mortgages until you know forever. We're holding twenty forty six. There's 17 years right? left on yeah, this mortgage. Are. We we have they no are. we have no intention of selling it. Therefore, you're welcome to count the drawdown in the bond price as a as a loss, but it's not actually gonna be a loss. So they can say that and they do say that. Um, but the bigger that number <laughs> grows. The more hilarious, I guess, it's going to be um, to just have these massive health to maturity portfolio losses. Um,
1: anyway, regional banks look like junk again. Like, just well, yeah, junk.
0: I mean, that's that, that that goes without saying. But anything I, I t- just, I think there's a distinction like that. there that's that's worth understanding.
1: Agreed. Okay, so there was an article in the journal. So again, getting back to the topic at hand, why aren't interest rates hurting the the bigger stocks? We've spoken about this a million times. How they locked in rates, they gorged on rates in 2021. Well, it is hurting some companies. So, from the journal, Petco took out a $1.7 billion loan two years ago at an interest rate of around 3.5%. Now it pays almost 9%. So, the interest cost them uh, 5% of free cash flow when they took this out. Now it's a quarter. Chart on, please. So, Look Petco like is in red. Haynes Brands is facing a similar situation. I mean, not good. This is not good. Now, there is some stuff that they could do. They could refinance the debt. They could pay it. No, I'm sorry. They can't refinance it. They could pay it down and they have some flexibility there. But this is, any way you slice it, this is this is not great. Getting back to the- Wait,
0: wait. When you see this, does this, to you, does this explain why the Russell 2000? Yes, which is the of area of the market where they need to borrow the most and the most frequently and on Absolutely. the worst terms. Absolutely. It explains Absolutely. that underperformance. It's like very- It's as clear it's very, as a bell. That's it.
1: That's it. You don't okay. need to be uh detective, uh detective. Yeah. I don't remember. Like that's I mean, the chart was, I was,
0: if someone's like, oh, small caps are diverging. Yeah. Dickhead. Look at the interest whoa, rates they're paying easy, versus easy. two years ago. Why wouldn't they diverge negatively? Yeah. What do
1: you think is going on out there? So uh, higher rated companies, on the other hand, Gunjan uh, tweeted, uh, earnings growth has outpaced debt buildup for higher rated companies. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. The median total debt to EBITDA ratio for companies rated investment grade fell in the second quarter. Fell. That's
0: crazy. So this is showing higher. So the higher rated companies that are issuing a lot of debt, they're still better off than they were uh, because of how much their cash flows have been able to grow. But that's, but what Pretty companies wild. are those? That's like S&P Apple. 50? Yeah,
1: it's, it's the yeah. mega ones. It's the mega ones. yeah. yeah. We, we, I know we've mentioned this chart several times now, but it really is remarkable. The net interest expense—so how mm. much are they paying in interest versus how much interest are they earning for non-financial companies? It's going lower. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, the cash is earning more than the debt is costing them, and you know, I, you you have to assume that can't go on forever. But I think for certain companies with certain cash flow characteristics, it 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 maybe can. I mean, where does the Fed have to take weights to? For you know what I mean, because they have pushed out their maturity so far for so long, and they've like you think about a company like Apple, they have been professionally managing this cash balance for over a decade now, like thinking a lot about it, uh, hedging, etc. So does, th- it does, could go on for longer. I wonder, than we think. D-
1: does Apple have more cash than debt? Like literally, yes. Um, Ryan Dietrich tre- tweeted. Triple B spreads are at their lowest level this year. That is simply shocking if all you followed was the headlines. What is it saying? Likely there isn't a major monster under the bed, and this is normal seasonal weakness after one of the best starts to a year ever. So this chart was from last week, and I went to look today. Surely this must be blowing out a little bit. Nope. No, it's not. It's 1.54%. Still very little stress in the credit markets.
0: It's, incre- it's incredible to me that you're only – that you're only paying 150 ba- you're only seeing 150 basis points in yield um, over effectively risk-free money in that part of the market like i don't, who i'm trying to think of who the buyers are besides like blind asset allocation like they're, they're just people that they have corporate bonds as a sleeve and they're buying them no matter what the fundamentals are i suppose that's a large enough part of the market that it's meaningful but who at the margin is making the active decision that what they really want right now is sub-investment grade corporate credit.
1: Dude, it's who a great question. That? It's a great question. On the one hand, it's it to- Is it someone who was
0: short and is covering?
1: I can't No, no. On the one hand, it's hard to be blasé about all of the risks out there, and there are a lot of them. On the other hand, okay, I know the risks, you know the risks, everyone listening yeah. knows the risks. No, I guess. And so I would point to the credit markets who But you're who not are. getting paid,
0: but you're but you're not getting paid a risk premium commensurate with what you would typically want at this stage in the cycle. No
1: shit, that's the point. Do you think the market is that dumb that if there was something really bad, and I'm not saying the market is clairvoyant and always right, but there's not there's not a lot of stress here. So the headlines are scary, the The price action in stocks in certain areas in particular looks, looks awful. But maybe this is, not maybe, this is probably on the tail end, hopefully of seasonal weakness, which we'll talk about in a second. And also interest rates going vertical is not helping things, like it's just not. All right, so the last four Septembers, uh, had all been bad: negative four percent, negative five percent, negative nine, and then I don't know what it was this year: negative six, something like that. Yeah, and then
0: five, uh, negative five point five or something.
1: So I don't know why September sucks. It just does. It's by far and away the worst month going back hundred years, twenty years, thirty years. However you slice I exp- it, it's not- I could
0: explain when you're ready. Okay, go ahead, genius. No, I want you to finish your thought. This is interesting to me. These are the la- all right. So show us what happens after these last four Septembers or last. So day.
1: so the last so. The last three fourth quarters following with September was very strong. Whether or not this time happens, the same thing happens. We will see. Please tell me why, why the markets are weak in September.
0: Do you know what the strongest month is for the markets? On Because it's going to answer the riddle. Do you know? January, December. No, it's a good guess. I, I might have guessed January had I not been that in possession of the actual data. That is very condescending.
1: That is very condescending.
0: No, it's not. It's not meant that way. Uh, The best month of the year, all right, let me tell you how bad September is. It is the only month, going back 94 years, that has a higher than 50% chance of being negative. The only, the only, it's that bad. The best month is April. And I just want you to think about, like, like human nature, and actually all animal kind, all flora and fauna. Oh, I want to no, 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 forehead. no, no. It it has to do, uh, I'm giving you like science and then you could like, you could be like, yeah, whatever. But science, uh, Cliff Asness never Stop said
1: this. clearing your throat and say something.
0: Okay, what I'm going to say is this. April is when finally, after we get through the long winter and the darkness and the shortened amount of daylight and the cold and the misery and being trapped in a house, April is like the first moment you start feeling good about like where we are in the calendar. And I think that that engenders the right type of animal spirits, and people just start to feel more optimistic again. They start making plans for the summer, spending a little bit more time outside, a little bit less afraid of you're, risk. You're describing
1: and, the Northeast, yes, I agree.
0: Okay, uh, well, this, the Northeast is Boston, New York. Historically, that's where the money is, is. Is Chicago? Okay, September is literally the opposite. The days are getting short. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a great. The month. days are good. The kid. Nope. The kids start school. The kids start school. The, the 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 sun is out. Less hours. It's. Just, I reject uh, your
1: science. If it was if a it was a, if it was a, a weather thing, then February would be the worst month. I of the year.
0: have seasonal disaffected disorder. Yeah, I'm speaking to you from experience. I am less bullish every September, not just on <laughs> stocks, but on life. Just like oh, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to take any risk. I don't. February
1: is, is is the is the most depressing month of the year. That's when hospital visits spike. I don't know if that's true. I hope it's not true, but it is. February is the worst month of the year. So just stop it. I have a disease. You're Mike. wasting. your I the- I literally
0: have a disease. It's seasonal. De- you are disorder. wasting
1: the viewers' time. Okay. Thank fine. you for that. All
0: right. What were we saying?
1: Let's keep it moving.
0: Well, Where were we? Where, where I. don't we know. Off? Oh, we were oh. just going
1: through seasonal stuff.
0: Let's do it. We just did. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a chart. Annual performance of iShares core U.S.
1: aggregate bond ETF. Let's post this up. Could be the first time ever, three negative down years. And even if you go back to, you know, 1874. Oh, shit. Look at this. Pretty wild.
0: Uh, losing money in the Barclays Ag three years in a row. Man, that's probably going to be the buying opportunity of all time in some area of the, the curve. I'm not sure where, the five-year maybe? I don't know like how do you if you if you think this is it this is as bad as it gets where do you go crazy as like a bond market uh like as a trade what do you do
1: Well I think the you know like the the what's that meme with the barbell you've got like the Jedi and then the Dumbo and then the person in the middle I think yeah, ma- yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the answer would be like the most duration is where you get your most bang for buck but I don't think that's true because, no, I don't either. Because it could be the belly of the curve. Like if the if the curve, you know, starts to. I'm doing things with my hands that the listen the the, <laughs> the listener can't see. But if uh, if it flattens out or goes some some sort of direction, what is this butterfly a butterfly curve? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a butterfly curve. Yeah, put up the small put up the small cap chart, John. This makes perfect sense to me. Small yes. caps falling faster than their larger counterparts. I um, mean the Russell 2000 went flat on year uh at some point late September tiny bounce I bet it's right back there this has less
1: this has less to do with economic sensitivity and growth prospects it's just debt it's just interest rates that's all this is and and maybe a
0: little bit of industry exposure maybe a little bit right like like there's just no tech companies in in this Russell that are meaningful versus maybe right? probably a little aspect of that all right, put up emerging markets. Well, this looks like ass.
1: I mean, the dollar is a wrecking ball again. Yeah,
0: so emerging emerging markets are 5% since April of 2023. The S&P is still hanging in there up high single digits. Uh, what else we got? What's the next one? Youth of the Sun. Yep, dividend versus treasury yields. It's, it's crazy to me. Um, so what we're showing is... The S&P 500 dividend yield is fairly consistent around 1.7, 1.8%. There have been spikes in the past that mostly coincide with falling stock prices. The most notable example in recent history would be the COVID panic. Uh, Most dividends were not cut, but stock prices uh, fell through the floor temporarily. And then we're showing you the difference between the S&P 500 dividend yield and the 10-year treasury yield. And it is at the lowest level today that it's been at since uh, 2007. So just and a yet, huge spread between um, the treasury and the dividend.
1: So what that's showing you is that bonds are attractive compared to stocks. And yet the S&P 500 is up 13% or 11% year to date, even after this pullback. But of course, that's being driven by the big seven. I, I had Nick Majulia make this chart.
0: Wait, hold so, on. One more comment on that. Yeah. Um, there are only 30 stocks. This is from the journal. There are only 30 stocks in the S&P 500 that are currently yielding more than a 6-month T-bill. So even for like hardcore dividend investors, this environment presents like a little bit of a of a of like a mental challenge. Yeah. Um at the end of 2021, before rates started to rise, there were 379 S&P 500 companies that paid a higher dividend yield than the 6 month t bill. So it's a really big difference now. Like I'll it's I'm not saying everyone's going to sell all their dividend stocks, it just makes it a hard to me makes it a harder choice.
1: Do you know what the SM, what the what the 10 year yield averaged in the 90s?
0: Yeah, like six and change I think, right?
1: It was 5.2% and it was one of the 5. best 2. decades ever for the stock market. Now, of course, interest rates didn't go from 0 to 5, right? So it's 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 not apples to apples. Um yeah. What was I saying? Oh, so the S&P is up 10% of the year. The Nasdaq's up 25 or 30 or whatever the hell it is, despite this. But I had Nick Majuli run these numbers for me. Go back to when the Fed started raising rates. So I did this last week. Have you broke it down by market cap? And it was the, the big stocks that are outperforming. That chart looks the same, but even more stark. If you break it down by price to sales ratio, or I think forward PE shows the same thing. If you break it down, the Russell 1000 by decile. So each... Each uh, decile has 100 names in them. What was the median return for the most expensive decile, all the way through to the, to the least expensive? The most expensive decile, the median stock is down 18. percent Yeah, and the cheapest stocks are up like two or three percent. So even though the even though rising rates hasn't impacted the index, it has absolutely wrecked a lot of companies inside of the index. Which it's supposed to, right? Yeah, like it, yeah, It's That's exactly the stocks
0: that you would expect to get hurt the most are the longest duration assets in the portfolio, no different than- And the most expensive. The most expensive, right. So their cash flows are far out into the future and you're paying a lot for them now. That's where you're giving up the most uh, if, you, if you're riding through an environment like this. That actually so is exactly what you would have guessed probably, right? Let's
1: talk about utilities, which by the way, I, I bought utilities- I still own them. I think I'm down like eleven percent. I, I just
0: I just sold out of one down twenty two percent. It's my one of the worst stocks I'm in this year. Uh, I sold this new era energy. Man, did I get pancaked in this um, utilities? It's two thousand eight for utility uh, stock investors. Okay, I don't I'm, I don't think I'm overstating that. Forty seven percent of the names in the XLU, which is the S and P five hundred utility index, are making fifty two week lows. It hit 60% last week. That's a higher reading than at any time during 2022 when the stock market itself was actually crashing. The only time there's been a larger percentage of 52-week lows in the XLU going back to 1999 were the following years, all bad years, 2001, 2002, 08, 09, and 2020. Not Outside not of those years, you cannot find this level of negative underperformance for the utilities. They are just being absolutely pancaked. The current yield for the whole index is 3.77%. The lowest yield on the curve right now for, in terms of bonds is the 10-year, which is four spot seven, 8%, which means if you owned utilities predominantly for the dividend, you have never had an easier choice to make in your life. You can lock in 10 years, 4.78 percent, zero volatility, uh, not, excuse me, zero risk of uh, of, of a permanent loss uh, provided you could deal with whatever volatility and significantly less volatility than you would get holding even the most conservative publicly traded utility equities. That is a really shitty situation for this sector. And maybe it's. About to lead to really big opportunities. But I have to tell you, I was looking at the VNQ today. That's Vanguard REIT index. That was crashing through a 52-week low also. Yeah. It is just really, really tough out there for income investors utilizing equities to get their income. No Do you have doubt, anything so. you want to say on this? I have what are lots, your thoughts?
1: I have lots to say.
0: Okay, go. Um,
1: John, let's start with my my chart, net debt issuance. There's a few reasons oh, why- Oh, the-
0: sorry. One last thing. The median year-to-date utility drawdown, median, <laughs> is negative 18%. That's incredible versus an S&P that's up 10. That is really a notable negative divergence. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right,
1: so chart off, please, real quick. Thank you, John. So but let me set this up. I've got a bunch of charts coming. So not only are utilities competing uh, for investors' attention, with the income, because that's what they are—they're income-producing assets.
0: Why do this, you Italian? I don't know. Now,
1: because I'm because okay. I'm about. I'm, I'm, this is on the Did one you hand. You say
0: the income. This is, <laughs> this is on
1: the one hand.
0: Oh, and, that's a and, meme.
1: And bond interest rates on the other hand. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so not only is, not only is that happening, but also utility companies are huge issuers of debt. Or said yeah. differently huge borrowers. So they're getting double railroaded. Okay. Yep. With that said, let's ru- let's run through some charts, John. So this is net debt issuance of Russell 1000 companies or Russell 1000 utility companies, excuse me. And it's just, you know, they're, they're, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. Next chart, please. This Hold on. Can you go back? What is This is the net debt issuance of, of all of the
0: utilities in the Russell 1000. And it's, yes. I'm sorry, is this $80 billion a month?
1: No, it's I think it's
0: uh it's just a rolling I think, it's, just, I think it's
1: trailing twelve.
0: Tra- okay, got it. Trailing twelve. Okay, it's a bit I mean, whatever, it's a big it's number. Whatever,
1: it's it's a lot, it's a lot. Okay, so how does this manifest itself? Well, it's not great. I'm showing you the net interest income, or in this case, expense, of three of the largest uh, utilities. And I mean, look, this <laughs> this impacts the bottom line. Oh, just a tad, right? Oh, just oh my a tad. Oh
0: god, what a shit show.
1: Okay, so yeah. so what what does the earnings per share of the sector look like? um it's not horrendous but it's definitely not great Uh, what uh, what i'm getting is that all the selling is absolutely warranted absolutely absolutely warranted all right let's look at the price to earnings ratio of utilities this is the average for the last since yeah it's like
0: 17 i was it's i think it's 14 forward it should be like 12 and 10 forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, sure. I think.
0: Like, like so, that's where so, it deserves to be, right? So
1: the average of the last since January 2015 is 21 times. Of course, it definitely does not deserve to be trading anyone near the average in the ZERP era. Uh so where does this get you in terms of dividend yield after the sell-off? Next chart, please. Uh we're at 3.7%. So certainly higher than it's been in over the last yeah, 10 not, years, but
0: not good enough.
1: Not good enough quite yet. And if you look at the SP, the XLU divided by the SP it's trading at an all-time low. So the price of utilities has never been lower relative to the price of the S&P since the inception of the ETF back in 2000. Finally, if you look at the XLU minus SPY, the rolling one-year returns, it's not pretty. They've been trailing by negative 20-whatever-some-odd percent. So the black line is XLU minus SPY, and the red line is... A distraction. That's the S&P 500 year-over-year return. Uh, I know it's, I should, probably should have just taken that off. But anyway, the point that I want to make, so I bought this a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, I'm down 11%. I didn't buy this for a trade. Um, I had Nick Majuli, and, and I know that's what people say when they panic, uh, but it, it did look like for selling. Like massive, massive, massive volume come, came in. Matter of fact, XLU actually, LOL, finished up one 1.2% on the day. There was what, definitely
0: four selling intraday today. For well, sure.
1: there, I feel like there was four selling yesterday, so yeah. I I kind of thought about I was like, what am I doing here? Am I really trying to like, I'm down ten percent. Why not just like take a small loss and leave? You know what? I'm not leaving.
0: You're not. Watched, you're not leaving.
1: I watch the Wall Street. I'm not f-ing leaving.
0: Well, uh, the good so news. N- the, the good news is you're in the let, index.
1: Let me come with some data. I'll, okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the good news. Yeah. So from Nick Majuli, when utilities underperform the S and P 500 by twenty percent year over year their return over the next year is much higher the median return is 13% the average return is 14% compared to 8.4% in all other periods okay this is and this is he said more importantly this is statistically significant even at the 1% level um so meaning this is highly unlikely to be a fluke now there's good reason why utilities are getting killed if rates stay higher for longer they probably won't rebound this is unlike anything that we've seen over the last twenty years. So maybe I'm foolish. Uh, maybe this looks bad. Whatever. I'm not betting the farm, but I'm in it.
0: If you if you knew for a fact that the first rate cut was November, like I don't think that it, that that's. But like, let's say you just knew, like uh, somebody came back from the future and was like, "Yo, they're gonna cut rates." I
1: triple my position.
0: But I can't tell you what the market does. Would you buy? Would you buy the Q's or the XLU? You could only buy you could only buy one, and you could only be in it for a week after the event. And I said to you, guaranteed, it's a lock. One interest rate cut coming November. The market has no idea. Utes. Which do you buy?
1: Utes. They'd be up four percent on the. You buy the utilities. They'd be up four percent.
0: Uh, is there yeah. a leveraged utilities ETF? Maybe that's the one you buy,
1: or uh, maybe you buy
0: like the one that went down the most because. 'Cause that's that's like that's like very on brand for you. Like which utility went down the most?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in the index. So right. we'll see. But yeah, no, it looks I mean, this is this is pretty wild to see a swing like this. Uh it's, that's that's crazy. And you know what? Berkshire Hathaway,
0: a pretty sizable amount of its business, like its economic business, not its stock portfolio, is uh There their utility.
1: So listen. And, we're two they days have in- not treated that stock like a utility we're two days into the week it is mm. Tuesday it's already done as much volume as basically any week say for March 2020 so it is going to it is this is going to be the week the highest weekly volume in a long time and I thought yesterday felt like for selling today felt like margin calls you finish 1.1 percent up on the day bottom this John, is a bottom process John put the process up the has started my friend.
0: Put up the next era chart. Oof. I sold
1: what's, the yesterday.
0: What's the story I, sold, here? I sold. I sold the yesterday. The story here is they ha- they they have have a subsidiary publicly traded MLP. They cut the distribution on the MLP.
1: Got it. Do. And
0: the market just like shot first, and they, I mean they just this is a this is a full scale absolute panic. And just so you understand, this is the largest utility in the country. This is Florida Power and Light, okay? This is not like it, it. This is not like a company generating two gigawatts in the middle of Oklahoma. Like this is literally Florida.
1: So, in t- just getting back to the stuff that's that's tied to interest rates. Yeah. Look at PFF preferred stocks, uh, consumer staples, REITs, XLP, mor- mortgage REITs. REITs, all that shit. Uh, home builders. Oh my god. Home builders just got wild today. Home Depot, wow, like anything that's,
0: a long that's, time coming. Anything that's tied
1: to interest rates, rightfully so, is it's just panic selling. As, it, as you know, as it probably should be. Um, right, okay, right. lower lows. So sentiment trader, this is this is this is a rarity. Chart on, please. Uh, what are we looking at here? All right, that is nine consecutive lower lows where the blue is highlighted. So start with that big red bar Sorry, on the top
0: lower left. Lows, lower lows for what? This is the S&P, the S- S- 500, is the S&P 500 making 500.
1: this is so daily? Introde- Listen, let, let, me, let me talk. So the blue oval on the top left, you've got that big red bar. The next day was lower than the previous day's low. Same thing for the next day and the next day. And that happened for nine consecutive days. That is rare. Next chart, please. So sentiment trader charted this out. How many? How many? How often do you have at least nine consecutive lower lows? It's. I mean, it happens, but it happened in 2018. It happened in 2011. It happened in 2001. And two, it didn't even happen in 09. I mean, this is this is pretty rare. It's just it's it's relentless selling. But what's interesting, we haven't gotten to the VIX spike, so it seems fairly orderly. Which, uh, you know, so what what happens next? There's not a huge, huge sample size. But interestingly, since 1975, there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven events. And three months and six months later, it's been higher every time. And 12 months later, it's been higher every time with the exception of one time, 2001.
0: Do you want to hear what I think?
1: That's why I stopped talking.
0: This is all part of the bottoming process. Put that blue <laughs> chart back up. Every one of these occurrences of negative of negative nine, day, uh, of, of nine consecutive days of lower lows, every one of these has been representative of the bottoming process of which I speak. So you've just illustrated why I opened the show with something that I think was really important. This is the bottoming process. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. Every I'm day, every day, the sellers come in and they're willing to sell at a lower number and then a lower number. But at a certain point during that's this process. process, that's the yes, process. That's the process. It's like how Philadelphia uh, got Joel Embiid. Trust the process. Uh, all right. Do we want to do anything more on this? Or that can we is talk not about the process. Twitter? Let's talk about Twitter. Trust the process. Is Twitter worth zero? No. What is it worth? It got bought for fifty billion. <laughs> it can't even say it. It's, it's, I mean, it it's it's got bought lot, for fifty billion dollars. What is it worth?
1: What's Snap worth?
0: All right, uh, it's worth
1: six billion. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Lindy Yakarino did this hilarious meeting that went viral on social media. I think people just want to dislike her anyway. She's pretty because, dis-
1: she, she was pretty dislikable in the interview.
0: Yeah, she like. I don't. I can't get a read on like what her whole deal is. Like is she like a relationship person? And that's why she's so powerful in advertising because she like doesn't seem that she speaks especially well in any setting on any topic. So maybe she's like really good at making friends with like the CEO of Colgate and then Colgate will pull the trigger on buying all these commercials on TV shows. I don't really understand the whole thing. Anyway, supposedly she was like this really big deal ad salesperson in traditional media and he recruited her. And he's basically still the CEO, but she gets to get humiliated by, uh, you know, uh, moderators at conferences. And, Julie Borson's
1: a uh, great, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, I she's thought. a pro. Julie, Julie has been interviewing entertainment people out, out in L.A. for CNBC for years, and she knows how to do it. Um, this is Bill Cohen at uh, Puck. Uh, <clears throat> basically, there's $13 billion worth of Twitter debt. It's mostly owned by big Wall Street firms like Morgan Stanley, for example, Um, the value of this debt is wholly dependent on the likelihood that Elon Musk will be able to pay it back. Uh, But somehow they're still making these $1.2 billion annual interest payments in the form of quarterly interest payments, just like any other bond. That's pretty impressive that somehow they're able to pay that off. But it's Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Barclays still in peril, they still own this debt. Um, Elon has made three interest payments on it, but there's nobody for them to sell it to. And Kohan is saying it's probably only worth 50 cents on the dollar. If it's worth 50 cents on the dollar, um What do you think yeah. it are
1: yielding? What what would you need? What what
0: interest rate? No, would that's you need not to the save? question. The it means the equity
1: is worth nothing. I if That's true. What, but what as a as a buyer of the of Twitter's debt what sort of what sort of coupon would you need to see before you got interested
0: that's the thing i think it has negative cash flow so no no interest rate like i would she, never want to buy the bonds of a company she said
1: from an operating cash flow perspective we are just about break even
0: lying lying prove it
1: Billy Cohen said the Twitter deal is probably one of the worst in Wall Street history, right up there with AOL Time Warner deal at the turn of the millennium. The thing is, why you said is Twitter worth zero? Uh, and, and Cohen
0: hold, he, said this. Hold on, he said that sucking sound you hear is the 31 billion of Twitter equity being reduced to zero, and the 13 billion of Twitter debt is probably only worth six and a half billion. In fact, Twitter itself may only be worth six and a half billion these days. Um, and and Elon will be fine.
1: You know so he's got
0: SpaceX. He's got. He yeah, the, oh, Twitter he could, could live he,
1: forever. It, no, it doesn't can, matter. He could buy the debt back. So he said, as I've suggested for months now, Elon himself could be the buyer of the Twitter bank debt at fifty cents on the dollar using That's his what, petty using his petty cash. He should if do he did, it actually. If he did that, and he should, assuming he still wants his ball of string to play with, then he wouldn't have to worry about his creditors or their interest payments or anyone or anyone or anything else at Twitter like X ever again. I think he might be right. What if Elon's like, you know what? call you i'm buying it back leave me alone
0: well then he doesn't have to answer to anyone he doesn't have to report anything he but but here's the thing why do these big banks agree to buy this debt in the first place my opinion it's to make sure that when tesla does a secondary or when spacex files for an ipo they're like the first at the trough like they're already down with elon they, they came to his aid when he needed to, to close the Twitter deal, court ordered, need to close the Twitter deal. So I feel like these banks were like, all right, we'll buy the stupid Twitter bonds. Who cares? When SpaceX goes public for $200 billion, we're, we're in the room.
1: Total, and that might
0: be a smart calculation, to be honest.
1: I'm, I'm sure that's a part of it. But also, there was $31 billion, in, or I think $31 billion in cash that they put up. So it's not like this was all leverage. No, I agree. It, right? It was a lot of it was a lot of money down.
0: The thing is, and she admitted to this, or she didn't admit to this, but they tried to get her to admit to this. The users are just melting away, and you can keep making up new ways to count them. You know, you can keep coming up. Oh no, actually, our intra monthly, blah blah blah, ninety sixth,
1: ninety sixth place in downloads.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost going to be out of the top one hundred apps, and you can't make up daily usage numbers that don't square with that. The but two I do, can't but, exist simultaneously. But I, I do
1: agree with her that you can't, it's apples and oranges. It might not be the most downloaded or the place with the most users, but the users are still highly, highly engaged. It's where a lot of people spend most of their day. It still is.
0: So that point has always been true and it has never mattered. It's never made this a good company never made it a good investment, well, it's never led to them earning, earning anything in ads. It's never, it's always been true and it's never mattered. So she could repeat it until she gets replaced and then the next idiot can come in and they could repeat it. But in the end, there's just not that much money available for an app where 90% of the content is coming from 5% of the users and those 5% are the absolute worst people on earth. There's no money for that. It's not you, a business.
1: You know what kills this company, like for real, is putting a paywall, making making everyone pay. I if just think do, it's
0: time. I just think it's time. Like it's it's uh it's it's just entropy. It's just every month, slowly, less people giving a shit what goes on there until until it becomes really noticeable. I don't think it's gotten there yet. People still like wake up and open I don't the think Twitter gonna app.
1: happen. I don't think it's gonna happen.
0: I, I think it's slow. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a crash. How threads? How
1: threads go disrupting Twitter? It's just where everyone is.
0: Nobody has to disrupt Twitter for people to lose interest in it. It's uh, not. This, first this of all, it's happen. not where everyone is. Everyone is. Everyone is on uh, Instagram, TikTok, are fine. Every celebrity, celebrity, sure. celebrities drive the. They still do. Even if you're talking about a politics celebrity. Well, I guess,
1: well what drives national discourse? It's journalists. Uh. It is. They're writing the headlines. ago? Still.
0: They're All reacting right. to what celebrities are doing, and celebrities are just not there. Okay. They're not. Just the ugliest, like the, the most mean-spirited ones who are on there, like literally bringing the ruckus. Like if you're about to be in a UFC fight in two months, what you do is you go on Twitter and like insult the other person. Like the, you don't do that on other apps, and most people in the country aren't watching that. And it's very tough. I don't know what you do differently. I don't know how you fix it. It's just what it, what it is now. Yeah, it's, it's, so. it's a tough
1: spot. It's a tough spot. All right. Uh, it's a new regime, obviously. Uh, man, these bonds. These bonds. Chart on, please. The top is TLT. That's uh, 20 or plus. It's in a 47% drawdown. That's including uh, coupon payments. The zeros down 61%. I mean, this is just – it is what it is. It's a full-on crash fest. Warren oh. Pies – yeah, just, wow. Just, just disgusting. Warren wait, wait. buys. I'm yeah. sorry, Mike.
0: Uh, yeah. The bo- What is the bottom pane? This is the zeros Zero uh, ETF? Buys.
1: So it's just the longest duration possible.
0: It's in a 61% drawdown. Imagine you use this to replace like, imagine you use this in an asset allocation to replace. I don't, what would you replace this? What would you use this in place of? Like if you were really daring, you would use this in place of, the twenty-plus year uh, Treasury I ETF. I would,
1: I would think this is like a, you're taking an active view on where you think rates are going. I don't think it's like a bond substitute. I think it's like a trading vehicle. I don't know. That's uh, total. How much money does this thing have? There is. Oh. Okay, that's not. I mean, yeah, that's not a lot of money in here. Not even a billion dollars. Oh, not even a Horrible. billion dollars. Um. Okay. So the Great Warren Pies tweeted from 1998 through 2021 treasuries rallied on 87 of the worst 100 days for the stock market so that's the bottom pain and the purple the purple lines are all the worst days and how bonds did again 87 of the 100 worst days when stocks were down bonds were up pre-1998 however bonds rallied only on 35. Of the stock market's worst 100 days, we are back in a pre 98 regime.
0: Yeah, so there, there, there. Once was a time prior. I guess 1998 was the the LTCM rescue. It was probably like the most activist we had ever seen the Fed, and maybe that's like why that's the dividing line. Um, where where they, they basically the Fed not only bailed out the stupid hedge fund, but basically. Like we had to bail out the world. We did interest rate cuts in the summer of 98. I was very early in my career because like currencies were melting down all over uh, Asia uh, and eventually Russia completely devalued the ruble. But like, that's like a very activist Fed versus I think what the Fed had been prior. So maybe that's why it's that dividing line. But it is interesting that bonds on a day-to-day basis do not, Give you that same diversification benefit. It's the
1: opposite. They're causing the equity weakness.
0: Yeah. Right. So not only are they not protecting you, they're, they're causing the, the weakness. This year the, they're the yeah. cause of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: and next last year too. So okay, next chart. This is also from Warren Pies. Uh so what he's showing is long-term government bond performance during Fed pauses. And the Fed has been on pause since when was the last time? When was when did they pause? July, August? who knows yeah,
0: they 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 paused in uh they paused in July and there was and there was no August meeting okay
1: so it's been almost 50 days since or
0: vice versa okay and
1: of course this looks nothing like the other times where the fed pauses okay you would think that they're done raising effectively if they're pausing, and so bonds front-run the anticipated, you know, yield cut, and that's just not happening. Is that this is this is screaming higher for longer? If, you know, it doesn't mean the bond market's going to be right, but that's to me what this is saying.
0: I mean, this is this has if if higher for longer looks and feels like it did this week. The ramifications for stocks are that we are not bottoming in October like if there's absolutely no give back whatsoever and it's just a straight line higher in yields until I don't know 6% or something like we we are i think going to keep saying like we're not seeing this show up in the labor market one of the things that I told you I was worried about like a year ago was that you would not see it and then one month it would just shock everyone not yet but no like no like no one's no one is saying that, like, there's any sign in the labor market of anything the Fed has done yet. And that is really crazy to me. And it's been going on for a really long time at this point.
1: Uh, man, I had a point. Man, it just escaped me.
0: I bet it was a great one. Okay.
1: Uh, what are we doing now? Oh. oh, here's my point. I remembered. All right. I, I am never one to say that I am right and the market is wrong. That is never my default position. I However. always defer to the market. That being said, I have a hard time figuring out this higher for longer thing. Why? Almost all of the inflation data, at least the inflation data that I look at, is saying one thing. That inflation peaked and it's still on its way down. Yes, some areas are are, are sticking longer than we would have thought. But inflation seems to be going, going the right direction. So yep. why, so why are interest...
0: The prices aren't going down.
1: Correct. They, they're just I,
0: not. They're just not going up as fast as they were. Yeah, but that's they're inflation. not going down. That's
1: inflation. I never said yep. they were going down. I don't think anybody yep. thought they were going down. Yep. The 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 change in prices is not rising. As, okay, so inflation is going down. It's not as if the economy is still reaccelerating. So why is the why are long yields up as much as they are? I just don't understand. If anything you would think that we're going to enter some economic weakness and therefore, well, that'll take care of.
0: Well, the macro guys, the, the macro guys are all saying that there's just no buyers. Like internationally, historically, you would have seen like Japan and China and all these like, uh, foreign pools of capital buying in. And they just, they either can't or don't want to. That's like the, that's like the new boogeyman, um, coming from the macro guys. Like there's, there is no buyer like that's why the yields are rising at this rate that could uh, very
1: well be cuz cuz like it's hard to explain why interest rates are doing what they're doing right now it just is it's always um, hard unless though. maybe it's just that simple
0: it's always hard all right i want to get i want to make sure we get to this americans are still spending like there's no tomorrow this like when i read this this morning i just said to myself like this feels like the kind of thing that i should save and maybe put like a calendar uh, thing for a year from today and just like uh, just like, look back and see if this looks ridiculous in hindsight.
1: I thought the this article is, was dumb. No offense. This
0: is, yeah, well, a lot of the people in it look really dumb. This is the Wall Street Journal. Consumers should be spending less by now. Interest rates are up. Inflation remains high. Pandemic savings have shrunk. And the labor market is cooling. No, it's not. Yet... Household spending, the primary driver of the nation's economic growth, remains robust. Americans spent 5.8% more in August than a year earlier, well outstripping less than 4% inflation. And the experience economy boomed this summer. So they get into Delta. Uh, Ticketmaster sold 295 million event tickets in the first six months of the year. Um, they get into you know a lot of personal stories about people who are just like doing whatever they feel like doing. And this is the bottom line. They interview a guy at Wells Fargo. I guess he's a financial advisor. Quote, it's not a regret-filled, spur-of-the-moment decision, uh, says Michael Lersh, who oversees a team of advisors as head of advice at Wells Fargo. It's the opposite of that, where I would regret not having done it. Are we going to look back at this article of people just like I don't care, blah blah blah. I'm just spending. Is this gonna is that gonna look insane in six months? Like are we gonna be like that's the silliest thing that that happened? What do maybe. you think?
1: I have to. I have to. Th- yeah, maybe you might be right. Um, ben and I were arguing about this today. That like, what's gonna stop people from spending? A recession. If people lose their jobs, they're not spending. Ben was making the point that like people don't just stop spending. Oh yeah, a recession will change that real quick. So. Now, um, there, by the way, I said this article was dumb. There was there was one piece in this article about how people are doing stuff because they're afraid that climate change is going to destroy yeah, the place the they want to visit. That, that was the. the oh, the,
0: where did the guy go? He went to MAUI
1: because he's. Wor- or,
0: ma- oh, Alaska. MAUI. Something. Oh, he. Oh, a seven thousand dollar Alaskan cruise. So his family could see the ice caps. That was Which just have been weird, melting at a
1: rapid clip. That was just a very weird. That was that's not what I thought was going to be the story. <laughs> now, I I like the idea of people enjoying their lives and not hoarding cash for retirement. I think there should be a healthy balance between saving today. I mean, I'm sorry, between spending today and saving for tomorrow. That's not what this article was. This article was talking about. It I found a few people that were just like, it. like I don't know. I'm just you know, yeah, these we don't
0: are with- people here. We this girl, Candice. This lady, Candace. Quote, uh, a tw- oh, a 26-year-old management analyst in Charlotte says the company is trying to, the couple is trying to do the opposite. They want to enjoy their money while they're young, even if it means working longer. And she said, quote, all the rules that exist around money and lifestyle are just things people made up. So we're playing a different game. And honestly, I think we're having more fun. Until, let me just like end this with exactly what you said, until a recession.
1: I'm not now, trying I mean, to that's what what's it. going to be I, I, right. I, I just, I just right. thought this art, this article was was dumb in the sense that is this is this really representative of what the country, what people in the country are doing, or do they find a few people that are just being like irresponsible? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They fa- they definitely found people that would
0: conform to what the narrative of the article was going. Yeah,
1: for. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I've whatever, whatever. Um, all, all right. right. Don't
0: don't get upset about it. Not, I'm not upset.
1: It, we definitely might look back and be like, well, that was really dumb.
0: I th- so that's what I, I think. I'm gonna. I I put it. I set it for one year from now, and we'll look back at it. Okay, we're doing make the case, and then Michael has a mystery chart, and then we're out of here for the night. I just want to do this really quickly. Um, this is in defense of a barbell approach to building a portfolio versus diversification, and a lot of people use those two terms interchangeably. They're not the same thing. A barbell is give me like the riskiest and then the least risky uh, in equal measure. Like that's what a barbell means. And it's it's almost like uh, the one is really supposed to offset the other one at the extremes and there's nothing in the middle. Diversification is like I own a little bit of everything and I rebalance. So here's a hypothetical look back at two portfolios. And I did this with Portfolio Visualizer just for fun. Portfolio one is 50% Qs. Uh 50% SHY, which is the one to three year treasury bond ETF. Portfolio two is VTI, which is Vanguard Total Stock Market, 60%, 40% BND, which is Vanguard Total Bond. So portfolio two is like classic diversification. Would you chart off? Would you agree with the premise? Like the, the difference between these two things, I mean, I more think, or less, I think,
1: right? I think you need a global diversification, but sure, fine. I'll go with you.
0: Uh yeah, need is is probably not. Probably not the point of this. Um, let's let's put up the table real quick. Over the last, this is 10 years. So we're going back to 2013 and then it's through like the end of last week. You did way better, obviously, I know in hindsight, you did way better with the Qs and SHY as your offset. And this is just a annual rebalance. Uh, 27.9 versus 22.6, uh, next chart. This is what the annual returns look like. And what was interesting to me here. In the up years, uh, portfolio one, especially this year, obviously I know this year is really notable, but for the most part, in the up years, you looked really good versus diversification. Sorry, that's, not in,
1: that's just not true.
0: What do you mean? I didn't 13, I didn't see you beat it every year. I just said 13, you looked really 13,
1: good. 13, 14, 16, 19, uh, 21. And okay. I performed at 23 in 2020 and 2017.
0: Okay, but I'm saying you looked really good. Like you years. can't find a year, you can't find a year here where the black line uh, for portfolio 2 is so much better than portfolio 1 that you would have like panic sold portfolio 1. You okay. you can't find that in an up or a down market. You were, even like uh 22 where tech got hit harder, the Qs got hit the most, it's still it's like -18 versus -16 for the diversified portfolio. Next next uh this is just performance. You could see the like to your point the gap really opens up wide this year. Um at, you know as wide as it's been uh because of Nasdaq outperformance, but it's been outperforming really back to 17 and it has not crossed back over below.
1: Dude, I um, I totally agree with you. If I can go back 10 years, I'd only buy the Qs. I totally right. agree.
0: Uh last one. This is drawdowns. So in less of a drawdown currently, but like even look historically at all the pullbacks.
1: This is not historically.
0: Well, sure it is. This no, is back to back to 2013. The blue line is portfolio one. So you had, you had plenty of drawdowns. They were like mostly comparable to the drawdown that you would have had with a more diversified portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not expect that. I would have I expected much more variation in uh, and and bigger drawdowns for this portfolio. Um, you just didn't get them, and it doesn't mean anything for the next 10 years. I'm just pointing out, diversification isn't always the automatic right answer. Barbell um, does roughly the same thing, but with a different profile, and you got to be careful what's One in question. both sides barbell, of the barbell for its work. Barbell
1: did roughly the same thing. It doesn't mean it will going forward, but I, I don't hate the idea of a barbell strategy. I think Correct. it's hard. Like anything else, it's hard to implement, hard to stick with. But yeah, good chart. Well, I've made the case. Okay. Uh, Mystery chart, one. This is, we're looking at three years' worth of performance. And...
0: How many stocks is this, or ETFs?
1: Well, it's 500 stocks on top. Oh, wait, I gave it away. (laughs) Uh, But the bottom, the bottom (laughs) is an... That was a joke. The bottom is an individual company. And I don't think that you would have guessed that this company is underperforming the S&P 500 by 50% over the last three years. Mm. It's like the Magnificent Seven. That's all I'll say. Amazon. Bingo. I got it? You got it.
0: Yeah, we know. I own this piece of shit. All right. Isn't that put crazy? The, give me the reveal. Th- Dude. Drum roll.
1: It's underperformed by 50%. Uh, It's due. For what?
0: I don't know. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably more of the performance. Uh, had a nice bounce this year. It's, it's held on to most of the bounce so far this summer. Uh, I think Amazon's going to be fine. And uh, Amazon's in my permanent portfolio. It yeah, always has been.
1: Yeah, nothing wrong with I'll, I'll live.
0: I can, I can live with it. All right. Nothing hey, everybody. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you got? But, there, but wait, there's more. I've got okay. one more. I've got okay. one more. John, if you please. Okay. Uh, this is one very fine country compared with another country. I'm sorry, compared with another continent. One country gets all the attention. Uh, we've got all the best stocks. There's nothing else in the world. Uh, yeah, we're more expensive. We've all right. It's 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 uh, it's Europe versus the S and P 500. <laughs> That's quite a mystery <laughs> chart. Hey, I think you solved the mystery, Scoob. But how about this? All we talk about is how Europe is not this, this is very,
0: this is very interesting. This is a very cherry-picked time frame.
1: That's a year, this is
0: one year. Okay, this one, I so mean, all right, I would not have guessed this. Actually, this is interesting. Over the last year, VGK is up twenty-six percent, and the S and P is up nineteen. I would not have guessed that.
1: And this is with a strong dollar in your face. So um, you know, who knows? My point is, like, ah, oh, you probably didn't know that. That's all.
0: I definitely didn't know that. Uh, what's the best? stock market in, in the VGK. Like what, what country to Germany it would have to be something big to be meaningful.
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't
0: know. Okay. Good enough. Good enough. Hey everybody. <laughs> it's Tuesday, which means tomorrow morning an all new episode. You know, when you my... say,
1: when, I know your personal favorite, thank you very much. When you say when you, you say, when you say, hey when you say, Hey everybody like that, you know, are you doing Howard? Cause Howard does it. Hey everybody. No,
0: no I don't listen to Howard. Hey, uh, I listened to the Talk Your Book you guys did this week, though. That guy's I, smart I, as heck. The trend following guy. Loved it. Anyway, new animal spirits uh, tomorrow morning. I will be listening. I hope you will be as well. That's Michael and Ben every Wednesday morning. New Ask the Compound on Thursday. And Charlotte. all new episode of The Compound. And friends at the end of this week, make sure you send an email to askthecompoundshow.com if you're interested in coming to the Charlotte Live event. Have a great night, everybody. See you soon. Whether you're just getting started as an investor or you're managing a multi-million dollar portfolio, Ridholtz Wealth Management has the solution for you. It all starts with building the right financial plan. To speak with a certified financial planner today, visit ritholtzwealth.com. Don't forget to check us out at youtube.com slash the compound RWM. Make sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. If you love investing podcasts, Check out Michael and Ben every Wednesday morning on Animal Spirits. Thanks for listening. Ritholtz Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Ritholtz Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as and may not be used in connection with an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or hold an interest in any security or an investment product. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk and possible launch of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Ritholtz Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.